What's up? You look very dark. The um oh man, it's the uh No no, I'm just saying your attire. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe that's all him. No, I'm still dark. <laughs> I mean that's not a bad thing. <laughs> If we're going to date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. You have seven evil ex boyfriends? Seven evil exes, yes. And I have to fight defeat. Defeat your seven evil exes if we're going to continue to date? Pretty much. So what you're saying right now is we're dating? Uh, I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. Cool. I better... <laughs> There we go. Oh, it's too br- well, no, it's too bright over there. Let me get this. <laughs> you look fine, Webb. I was just, no. just saying it was just this man in black look that you're going for. I mean, even if I change this, I don't think it's going to help. <laughs> so much concern for an audio-only production. I know, I know. But but it's the experience that the two of us are having. That's, that's the thing. Um... One of the things that I'm doing to kind of get ready for Avengers Endgame, it's like, you know, I could watch all the movies and whatnot, but I'm trying to find other ways to kind of hype myself up, stuff that, like, I guess maybe uh, you wouldn't normally think of. So one of the things I'm doing is going through the Trouble Man soundtrack. It's it's one of the things that uh, Falcon told Captain America and Winter Soldiers, like, you got to listen to the Trouble Man soundtrack. It's oh, one of the things too. on this list. So I was like, I think that's interesting and obscure, and in no way is going to help me prepare for Endgame, but it's going to get me into the mindset, and I like that. I don't know. So I wait, are you rewatching any of them? Like, just are you just picking your spots? I actually rewatched the first Iron Man, um, and I was thinking of going through all of them. I mean, I've only got a week. Yeah, you may not uh, have enough time in the day. <laughs> How many films then, are there? Like twenty? Like twenty two? So, uh, I think Black Panther was like 17 or 18. I mean, it's up there. Okay. And then the, the next one is Incredible Hulk. So I'm really just like, uh, do I really you need know, to? You uh, know, that one, surprisingly, I, I like that more than Iron Man that summer when it came out. Really? Now, a couple of caveats there. Hulk is my second favorite Marvel character. Okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I was just happy that we were just keep it very sparse and clean it's a man on the run <laughs> and he turns into a monster yeah. compared to the true you know the angly uh version which had some cool moments but my goodness um i can't get down with fighting dogs what's hulk doing fighting like hulk dogs no, i know and and it was it was very artistic mm-hmm. and um it was very much i think an angly film when you would get right down to it but yeah there was just a little uh uh it was so bloated and and as one of my friends, who I think it's an an eloquent way of saying it, but he, there's some truth to it. It's like it's too much uh, a Bruce talk and not enough Hulk smash. And I can oh, understand that. Yeah. So it, it it's all right. But and then after Hulk, it's Iron Man two, and I'm just like that's the low point oh. for me. Iron Man two is yeah. the one. I've never uh, revisited that one. Although, and you'll understand this. I fucking own it because last year I'm like I'm gonna buy up as many as I can because these things never <laughs> go on sale. And now you've been blowing up my phone over the last week and a half saying, "Hey, guess what? Disney Plus gonna have all this in 4K, one monthly yeah. fee." 
It's like, what's the point of any of this? It's real. It's got me down. It's got. Well, you know what? It's like it's only Disney, and the reason that it's affecting me probably more than you is because I got this kid, who you know she's gonna grow up in the next couple of years, and she's gonna be all about Disney because I'm kind of all about Disney. You know, mm-hmm. I do. And like, there was a time when I first started this uh, crime scene job, and I was like, man, I see some horrible shit at work. I want to come home and watch, you know, Good Luck Charlie. And, and and shake it up and and you know any these are you know cheaply made well maybe I don't know how cheap but like Disney sitcoms that cater to little kids oh my god and, and this for is whatever a whole reason new side of your web that like a for, I'm sure that puts you on some sort of government watch list too like wait does he have a child yet <laughs> doesn't have a kid okay flag it <laughs> now you're fine in an, Austin and Alley you know what I'm talking about. Okay, well, anyway, these were Hannah Montana on there. I know that. That was that was before my time, and and oh, so I'm sorry. was the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. I don't know. I don't if know these them. Things nope. Okay, the Wizards of Waverly Place. Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, Lizzie McGuire what, was that one? I know those two. I that maybe Nickelodeon. I'm not okay. quite sure, and I, I'm sure there's fanatics out there who will be like blasphemy if, if you know I mix up the two. Um, the I'm, one that sure Ariana, <laughs> <laughs> the one that Ariana Grande was on, I think, I think that was Nickelodeon. She was on there. Um, I think it was iCarly. I don't know. I, anyways, anyways, but I just really got into these, um, Disney sitcoms. And, and so ever since then, I'm like, you know what? It is good programming. Cause every episode, you know, there was something that these kids learned. One of them, the main characters found out, or at least revealed that she's dyslexic and it was a real issue for her. And I was like, this is the kind of stuff that I wish I had growing up instead at like 10 or 11. I'm like, what's this? And I put it in like a Pulp Fiction VHS and I'm like, I should have been watching this when I was you know, growing up. But anyhow, I mean, your counter arguments winning me over like you <laughs> like, yeah. screw Disney. Who needs it? <laughs> yeah. But, Bring but, out but the you know, there's, <laughs> there's so much in, in, in the iTunes. Life. It's like, I just, I recently purchased, uh, the 10 commandments, the Cecil B. DeMille, like the, the remake. And, and it's one of the first, uh, films I remember watching with my grandfather, uh, who passed away, uh, a little over a decade ago. And so it has those, uh, you know, I'm not a religious person, at least not on the Christian side, but it, it's it's a roaring, you know, Hollywood epic. Uh, and so I, I'm excited to go through that. It's like that's not on the Disney Plus uh, a streaming service, I assume. So there's still a lot of merit to still kind of uh, uh, curating your own streaming service uh, uh, through these purchases. And, and right now I'm in the middle of a big battle I told you about yesterday. I think everyone should know about this. Um, <laughs> I feel we should not – at least iTunes and, and Apple shouldn't discriminate against how you get your digital copies. If you buy a physical copy and it ends up in your iTunes library, thinks the movie's anywhere, it should have the proper formatting. And right now they don't. They discriminate against the ones uh, uh, that you get elsewhere. And and, and so uh, I'm I'm currently on the in the queue to to uh, go over my stuff with the Apple engineers is what I'm told. So we'll see. We'll see how how it goes. Yeah, it's, it's you a say, mess. You the, say the discriminate. Digital. Do any of the other services do that? Like I know when no. there's some movies anywhere, if you buy it on iTunes, because I actually was on uh, I went to, I was doing some editing. I was editing an episode of this grand gesture last night. Yeah. I recorded with Dave and because I'd already recorded that morning, 
there wasn't enough distance to where the conversation was interesting to me, which is a great way to sell your own podcast. Like, oh, this is real boring. <laughs> <laughs> but I just heard the fucking thing. So I'm just kind of like doing a passive edit. And I'm like, let me put some music on the background. So I'm like throwing YouTube on the Apple TV. And I had to uh, activate the device because I guess apparently anytime I'd use YouTube on a television, <laughs> it had just been like, it's good enough. I didn't need my like music history, yeah. any of that. But I activate it, and that was the first time I realized, because it then showed me, like, all the media, all the movies that I owned. Mm -hmm. And it, I was like, I've never, I didn't even realize YouTube was a part of it. I'm like, wow, I have, like, hundreds and hundreds of movies in here. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. But I'm not like you. I didn't investigate to be like, let's make sure that I have them in proper <laughs> formatting. I'm just like, yeah, that's good, but I'll probably never click on them here. I'll just pull up, you know, iTunes. Same, same. Um, I, and I like iTunes because it's all integrated within all the Apple devices I use, and they don't have the proper tags. Um, it, yeah, it just uh, – and then sometimes you get the uh, an older version like without the iTunes extras that are available. It's a, it's a mess. So uh, in Movies Anywhere or in Vudu, you go into them, and everything is properly uh, labeled, and, and whether it's in uh, SD, HD, or 4K, and there's an issue with Apple. So I – I think it's it's like a a bug that nobody gives a crap about except me. <laughs> I even went to the forums online and like posted this with screenshots. Like, why is this? Nobody's responded yet. I don't expect them to. <laughs> I, Doesn't I that kill you just... more though when you feel like you've gone to the uh, appropriate like you know subreddits or forums that are very specifically yeah. about this, mm -hmm. and it's just still like. Meh, it's a big shrug. <laughs> like, no. What else are you talking about then on that forum? What is this for? Yeah. the, the You know, the worst thing is uh, I, uh, now I feel like I'm just digging in into Apple now. Like when you go into the Apple support website and you say – they ask you like what what's the problem and they give you like avenues of like we, we can call you. You can email us. I just wanted to chat with somebody and I had to keep rephrasing my problem until it let me chat because they were like, hey, you want to call somebody? The first time I, I was like, all right, fine, I'll talk to somebody on the phone. They hung up on me. And and not like somebody got mad. It's just like – Did you open you know, with please. your love of uh, Disney sitcom programming? <laughs> I did not. I actually didn't even get to a person. They're like, you know, we're going to redirect your call right now. Click. And I was like, what the – and I got angry. And then I sent an email. And then I finally was like, I need to – essentially I lied to get the option to chat with somebody. I usually say I'm about to, I want to purchase something and that gets me to talk and I'm like, no, I'm good, <laughs> but I have a problem with something else I've already bought. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. That's the way around it. All right. All right. Well, well on that, one of the issues, one of the things that, that made me realize all of this is when I pulled up Scott Pilgrim on my, uh, on my account and saw that it wasn't labeled in HD and I got all worried. I was like, wait a minute. I, bought <laughs> I can't the do the show. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not watching in standard definition. Like Where are my blue M&M's, says, says Webb, <laughs> when it comes on to the grand gesture. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw it. I was like, and then I pulled up uh, and I saw that on my phone and my iPad. It's like, it's in, it's not in HD. And then I went to my Apple TV and it did stream in HD. And I was like, all right, well, then that and that's what kind of got the ball rolling as to like, all right, I'm mad. And then eventually I found I, I was on the uh, online with them for a couple hours. And then eventually I was like, I need to watch this movie. So I went, I, I watched the movie and, and, and here we are. Here we are. How long had it been since you'd seen this? Actually, not that long. Um, Probably. Two, three years. I actually revisited it with my wife. I'm always looking – since my wife 
came to the States only uh, three years ago, I'm always interested in seeing what pop culture, you know, uh, not, not even landmark, but like which pop culture items can she consume without a lot of me explaining like, oh, this is from this and this. Are, and then I thought about Scott, we had been going through all the Marvel films and I was like, oh, Chris Evans is in it. We watched Pitch Perfect. I was like, oh, Anna Kendrick is in it. Um, uh, and so I was like, all right, maybe she'll dig this. And so uh, she didn't dig it because uh, sometimes the jokes are too fast, too furious. And um, you kind of – and I think even for – I'm betting American mainstream audiences, uh, why, why the movie didn't do well, it's just too quick. Not I don't want to say it's too witty. I, I, it's like uh, Edgar Wright has a very specific following, and, and I don't know if this is uh, – um, like it didn't make – good money it didn't do well at the box office mainly because of that and also i think people were uh, had enough of michael Sarah at the time i think he was kind of in a few too many things i don't I think know. it was maybe a year too late uh probably even two years too late to capitalize on super bad if you were going to market it yeah. as like you know a yeah. successor a big budget version of like michael Sarah, like fucking around with yeah. teens like that sort of thing uh i remember and it was a little anecdote. I'm like, I know I'm going to mention this on the show. So I guess now's as good time as any. Yeah. But uh, basically after and we're jumping a little bit ahead here, but you know, the dream girl, literal, literal dream girl appears in his dreams. First is Ramona uh, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And when they have their first date, they've had some interactions, some very awkward yeah. interactions. Um, I think the meet cute's actually incredibly realistic to how a particular young man of this ilk uh, would try to approach uh, very like you know swinger style he would try to roll up with his game and then just not even get rejected but reject himself <laughs> before yeah. it gets too far hey what's up nothing hey you know Pac-Man I know of him well Pac-Man was originally called Puck-Man they changed it because uh, not because Pac-Man looks like a hockey puck. Paku Paku means flap your mouth, and that they were f- worried people would change, scratch out the P, turn it into an F. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, am I dreaming? I'll leave you alone forever now. Thanks. But when they finally have their date and they're in bed together. And she says, like, you know, I'm not going to sleep with you tonight. Like, you can still sleep over, but there'll mm-hmm. be there'll be none of that. And in true, like, Michael Sarah form, it's, it's not like he plays it. It's like some sort of alpha male or something, or he's like, I'm no. going to figure out a way to get in those panties. He just says something like, oh, this is, you know, this is nice. You know, which, yeah, which, in reality, if you're not a complete scumbag, what are you going to say there? Even if you did right. Yeah. But I remember sitting in the theater, and I watched this first as like a preview and it was like i wasn't like a scott pilgrim junkie at that time i had read the comics but i knew people who were like love the fucking series love those comics Mm -hmm. and i'm actually one of the people that likes the movie better like the movie as you're saying has such a style to it that that's what i take from scott pilgrim and now like when i try to go back to the comics i'm just it's like the movie has totally imprinted itself onto the books, which I know that there's obviously taking a lot of that style. They're trying to make a pure comic book movie, not just based on a comic series. Right. But I have a hard time like going back. So <clears throat> unfortunately, you know, <laughs> for uh, that series, 
it's like the movie's like don't need it don't need books burn those things they're done <laughs> i think i've told you like i sold them i got rid of them but anyway that that sequence when he says yeah you know just sleeping over is fine this is nice when yeah. i didn't see it for the, like the fan screening when i, I took a mm-hmm. buddy to see it like and it was like a very sparse opening weekend audience there was <laughs> a guy in the back on a date and he was pussy <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. and i knew then i was like yeah oh, this is not gonna go over well with american audiences not gonna be a hit and it most definitely was not no it's got the cult following but i wonder how people determine like i feel like cult following is the ultimate like uh, uh silver medal you know it's like well you didn't do well here but a lot of people like you at home. A lot of people who pirated the movie really love it. <laughs> Does fuck all for you, but I mean, it used to, right? Like if it was, uh, you know, Office Space, mm-hmm. they made Serious Bank when it went to video, or you know, yeah. DVD sales used to. You know, that's the reason you were just most recently on, not in recording because we recorded actually like almost two years ago. But for Hellboy on the Grand Gesture, I finally yeah. got around to editing it. Um, <laughs> you know, you were not very positive on that. And I remember the film getting like, eh, it's pretty good. And it didn't blow down the doors at the box office, but because of DVD sales, it got a sequel. And it's like, that yeah. would, it just would not happen now. Like, there's no there's no safety net for the, you know, as we've mentioned, the streaming services. <laughs> yes. Too, too many options. And, yeah, no one's, no one's going to buy a copy of Hellboy on a lark, having not no. seen it. And, and honestly, like, some of, the, like, what happens is if the streaming service just buys it up. Because like, oh, that's another thing that we'll call like a Netflix original or whatever. And sometimes that's how things get rescued. So it's like it's it's all good and bad. But uh, um, sometimes I'm and, and I think uh, Spielberg is very anti streaming service, even though he's all gung ho about Apple TV plus. Like the, I, I saw that entire press conference. But it's like sometimes the stuff that goes directly to streaming, it does not feel quite like because it isn't a, a theatrical experience. So. Honestly, the Netflix streaming, the originals feel, they feel very much of their company. And the, I used to, when there was the DVD plan, I would try yeah. stuff out, but if I wasn't quite in the mood, it would sit on my coffee table for fucking weeks. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that was now, would I ever do that when like, you know, Blockbuster or my local video stores around? Fuck no. Cause there was a time, there was a time limit, right? There's, I, yes. I've, I've chosen this film. I have to watch it in the next 48 hours, but Netflix, there is that I'll get to it. And I do feel like the streaming service has accurately replicated their original model that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I still did the disc thing, what I used to do was try to get through them as fast as possible so I could watch like three films and really get the most out of it. Out of it. But I wouldn't sit there and really take it in. I think one of the first ones that I watched was <laughs> Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. And, you know, I like I was like, oh, God, I need to put this in because the mail goes at 3 p.m. So it was like, you know, 1230 at the time. And I was like, all right, let's get through this. And then I'm watching it. I'm like, this isn't anything like Romero. This sucks, you know. And so you get through the two hours or whatever. I was like, ah, oh, Zack Snyder, blah. And so I turned it in and I didn't like it because I'm not really watching it to watch it. I'm watching it so I can get my money's worth. It's kind of like a version of like, you know, if you're really like hitting the gym hard. Or I actually just had a conversation with my brother about this because he – he went through a phase where he like wanted to see like how much he could like bulk up. Like he wanted to see what what would the peak version of himself look like, and and he he accomplished it. I mean, in the sense that everybody was looking at him like you're a fucking maniac. Like, what are you training for combat? Like, were you going to uh-huh. be like a cage fighter? And the funny thing was, 
there was he wasn't dating anyone really wasn't even successfully dating anyone so for the vanity's sake it wasn't working because yeah. he was spending so much time in the gym and eating chicken like he had like <laughs> meal planning for chicken like you know a piece of it like you know seven times a day and so he would just go home exhausted and miserable <laughs> so it killed his social <laughs> life <laughs> and he was sitting there of course eating pizza with me and drinking a beer and he's like never again like the worst mistake ever made was taking care of my body <laughs> oh that's great that's you with the dvd plan yeah. where you're just consuming like oh, i gotta eat my chicken like i don't even care yeah. this doesn't even taste good get it out the door and I, I think I was choosing poor films. You know, sometimes a film gets like a little bit of a buzz, and I'm like, oh, I want to see this. And so with with Dawn of the Dead, it was like the best Zack Snyder film, and he's come out with a bunch of crap since then. So I was like, oh, let me see what the best Snyder film is. <laughs> and then after that, it was Mar- Martha Marcy May Marlene, you know, and it's like this character study. A natural double feature if there ever was. <laughs> <laughs> Before the mill. Like, like trying to get through it. Like she's so sad this whole film. This sucks. <laughs> So, you know, I'm not really absorbing what the, it's again, this is something I do a lot. And I think most people do It's like you want the film to be a version of good on your terms and you don't see the film for what it is, rather what you want it to be. I don't think you can do that with Scott Pilgrim. Actually, I think you can, because really? the way I was watching it, it's like, I'm, Scott's not the hero. I'm Indian. Matthew Patel oh, is God, the no. hero. Mr. Pilgrim! Matthew Patel, consider our fight begun. <laughs> the scenester hair that he has is unforgivable. It's brutal. It really is. Um, I will agree and, with and you that is... Scott's not the hero. But, and I think that's one of the mistakes the audience has had with it, was not mm-hmm. understanding why don't I like Scott Pilgrim? And if you know in the series, that's clear. If you like follow his journey like yeah. of immaturity to <laughs> slight maturity level gain but not like complete you would know coming in so i never had an issue with that and i like movies where the lead character is kind of a prick but he's not Mm -hmm. the prick he's not vince von wedding crashers where it's like i'd like to be that guy this is a prick you don't want to be and i think audiences really have no time for that Mm -hmm. Um, so if it indeed it is matthew patel then uh, please know matthew patel no i'm not going to so the meet you for me um with, with with ramona and and scott it could be a number of things i think you get the first like sub highway thing um the dreamscape the, yeah the the party um but I think the first uh, – it's either between the party and the first time he order, well, the only time he orders something from Amazon.ca and and uh, they have the back and forth when she's like, fine, if you sign it, I'll go out with you. Um, so I'm going to go with the Amazon one because I think you kind of went with the party. Yeah, what because he uh, – it doesn't work. Yeah, his uh, – No, no. His like – oh, you have like – does she have pink hair at that time or blue? I can't keep it straight when she, you know, the the hair color is very important originally, to him. Yes. Uh, originally pink, yeah. I believe. Uh, because it's, you know, he states that it's a sign that she's fickle. And so, so yes. she, <laughs> of course, making it all about him, which is why I like this guy. <laughs> it's like her choice yeah. of hairstyle yeah. is a reflection on like, you know, like a mood ring for like, you know, her taste in, in men. Um, yeah. I'm going with the party just because he's, He's introducing himself more in his natural sort of state. That's uh, true. Like, because he does the video game thing, right? And he's like, oh, you have, yeah. you have like funny hair. So you probably, this would probably impress you, right? 
Uh-huh. I do like the Amazon package thing just because <laughs> it's like him trying on his like father's pants. Like this is how adults meet each other, right? <laughs> There's a business <laughs> transaction. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, she's still on skates, you know, she's, <laughs> she's still delivering a package and it's not, you know, it's not like a, a business meeting or something or they're meeting over coffee or drinks. Uh, so I do like that one. Um, but what I like most about the movie is that everyone's telling him, please do not talk to her. Like this girl is so cool. Yeah. Like it's mainly the Aubrey Plaza character uh, who like, probably like an even heightened version of Aubrey Plaza as far as aggression level. Like, I mean, she's always got that sort of like sarcastic sort of like, you know, cold calculating like zingers in her like material. Mm -hmm. But this one, she is like doing her version of Jack Nicholson shining like Kabuki, like theater. Like she's like right in his face. I was instantly aroused. Of course, instantly attracted to this. (laughs) That's the hero of the film is the one trying to keep people in their boxes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That there's a natural state of things. Of course, it doesn't work. No. The reason that I – well, actually, just real quick. The reason that I do – I went with the Amazon scene is because the party scene goes so poorly. He denies it in the Amazon scene. He's mm-hmm. like, no, no, that wasn't me. I was the uh, I was the other guy. I was like, oh, really? Well, so, I mean it's yeah, a staple of the great. character. Like, I mean we see him – like when we're introduced to him, he's dating a high school student. And I can't remember. Is Scott 21, yeah. 22? I want to say, oh God, it's like right up there in the beginning too. It's the, like, yeah, they want to establish yeah, yeah. the uh, age discrepancy. Uh, yeah, because otherwise, I don't think the audience would be like, "Well, so what?" Michael Sarah was like a year out of high school. Like, what difference does it make? But, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so he's very different with his, you know, high school girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. Do you like that the film like also establishes that there's like no physical relationship between them? I mean, he. Says I think I do like that. They held hands once or something. Then she got shy. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's I like how adorable that is. Because again, it's hard not to kind of judge I think all films be, uh, against the Me Too backdrop that we have right now. So when you look at something like this, the fact that there is like not even a physical relationship and he's not pushing for one. And like the scene that you mentioned in, in bed. It's like I like that stuff. I like because it holds up. Um, and I know that's not a barometer for any sense of quality, but I feel like the film has a little bit of a conscience and and even like the source material does. So I do like that. And I like that it's fitting with with, you know, a shy uh, Asian Catholic schoolgirl like, you know, I, I assume in, Man, in my just, uh, like nerd bingo there. My goodness. for this <laughs> video right. games. Uh, do you think the guy that uh, shouted out pussy? Is also like concerned with the how Scott Pilgrim has aged in the Me Too movement. <laughs> I think he walked to the wrong theater. He was trying to get to Expendables too. He's like, "What is this?" He's like, "Maybe Stallone will show up at this point." I no, uh, no, he's. I, I remember a buddy of mine that I was uh, I was really high on this movie, um, and my friend was like trying to get me to explain why. And I'm like, I don't know, man. It's just kind of like it's its own thing. Like, it's just like mm-hmm. it's it's hard to like, you know, it would be like one of the other issues I think people have with it is like, you know, Tarantino's work is heavily stylized. You get into Kill Bill territory. Yeah. I remember before Kill Bill came out, I'm like, yeah, this might be a bomb. This might be Tarantino's like big swing and a miss because I saw the trailer and I'm like. I don't know. I don't know if people are going to go along with it, but those both those, you know 
films were big successes. And I remember watching them with audiences of all, all sorts of walks of life and they seem to be into it. And they, you know, yeah. probably don't get, and I don't either, like a lot of film references Tarantino's making, but they go along with that fantasy. They can understand it. Revenge movie. Like, you know, they tried yeah. to kill her. She's come back. So when it goes into the little weird quirks, like, you know, <laughs> Beatrice trying to wiggle her big toe. I think they're just like, oh, this is a cool movie. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim has a lot of quirks too. And so I was trying to explain that to my buddy. I'm like, I don't know if you'd like it. I don't really know who would like it, like necessarily. Yeah. There's no slam dunk layup here, but I was like, it's just a weird movie. <laughs> he came out. And I remember the thing he really like, first thing he said to me is like, why the fuck does that poster say like an epic tale of like epicness? He's like, there's nothing epic about this movie. It's fucking nerdy. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, well, yeah. I was like, but yeah, I think if you like are trying to label your movie, like an epic, epic of epic proportions, <laughs> tongues yeah. a little bit in cheek there. Like, yeah, it's uh this is not going to be Hobbs and Shaw. The rock is not showing up for this one. <laughs> no, not at all. And I actually get, it's funny. It reminds me of how Kevin Smith sold clerks. Um, I, I think at Sundance, uh, where he got like the Sunday slot where nobody like watches anything. And so it was kind of, and the poster that they wrote was like gone with the wind, Ben, Hur <laughs> clerks. <laughs> I was like, yes. Um, so yeah, this I mean, film he was succeeded absolutely... with me. Yeah. Cause only, you know, I've only seen one of those three <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's Mr. Smith's work. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gone with the Wind's pretty epic. Like I, I do, I, I love Gone with the Wind with with all its like you know kind of cringeworthy sequences. Uh, you, I should get on Twitter podcast. right now. You know, official <laughs> official statement from at Grand Gesture Pod. I will never watch Gone with the Wind. <laughs> that will get more likes than any of the podcasts we actually put out there. <laughs> <laughs> And I actually just purchased Ben Hur, uh, so we'll, we'll see. It, it, it was on the list. Actually, I was watching special features of uh, the Hateful Eight, and Tarantino mentioned the chariot scene from Ben Hur, and I was like, man, I wish I knew what he was talking about. Even though I, I've seen like you know uh, clips, uh, but but yes, no, Scott Pilgrim is absolutely hard to pin down. In fact, I don't even know if it has a proper story structure with you because even the seven evil exes aren't really spread out evenly. At one point, it it feels like they just go from one to the next, and and it doesn't feel like it has three proper acts. It, it's 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 a jarring film that you that really you have to take it as you have to watch it and enjoy it on its own terms. Um, well, even it, it for will the structure not of this. This show, uh, we're doing a oh, big yeah. cute. The the breakup is the majority of the runtime because <laughs> it's yeah. the fighting and the discovery, I guess, of you know your new infatuation, your new girlfriend. If they're on those those terms, those labels, uh, the fact that she had uh, a life before you, or she has a life outside of you at mm -hmm. all, seems to be something that is incredibly jarring to. And I think it's a very young man in particular, uh, and maybe just young people worldview that it's like that relationship is like you've you formed this like isolated bubble that you know you don't want anyone interacting with yeah. compare that to adult relationships where you know i think you understand that your partner has you know work friends or you want to like experience other things outside of just the two of you together that's why you have like you, know, you go out with couples you're going vacation I think that is the antithesis of what a young person wants. They want to like claim like one person that they could like invest all of their insecurities in and share their vulnerabilities with. And they don't want anyone else involved like that. That no. frightens them that it's going to be like that their grasp is going to loosen. 
Yeah, and, and all the fighting, like each fighting sequence is, you know, you can absolutely see it as a metaphor for an actual argument that you have post the honeymoon period of any relationship. And especially, I think this, again, they, they don't really go through his backstory before um, Envy uh, or Natalie. And so maybe that was his first one. And the, the first one is pure. And then it becomes uh, uh, adulterated, I guess, with, with all the experiences that the both of you have, whether together or separate. And then so she left him. With this, it's like, oh, I, he wants to rekindle that same kind of like new love. And that's why he has Knives Chow as his rebound, because she's never had uh, any kind of baggage, and so he likes that. And then when you get into Ramona, where the first, I guess, adult love, then that's where the baggage is is kind of heightened beyond belief. So we have to talk about I, the I breakup like with Knives Chow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you great, think? A great sequence of Scott. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Riding the bus home after she has dropped the first L word, the I love you, and the way it's you know, visually represented as like something he's trying, trying to get out of his face, like this like yeah. dialogue bubble, and it's just disgusting to him that <laughs> it's everything he would want Ramona to say it to him, but knives, yep. no, uh, which I also think. I think it may be one of the respectable traits about Scott, which I'm about to explain in one of the scenes that makes him come across mm -hmm. as a complete scumbag, but the fact that he doesn't seem like he's grooming this young girl to like try to take something like very adult. And it, it's like offensive to him that she is wanting to sort of make those steps to make it a more adult relationship. I actually think it's probably a positive on his character that he's wanting to keep it as like a good hangout buddy, like just some, yeah. sort of some comfort to just like, you know, go to the arcade with, but when he breaks up with her after that, like immediately after she says, like, I love you. And he's like, yeah, I don't think this is working out. The bus yeah. ride where he is, you know, he's going through the pain of like causing someone else pain. And we see her face. And then that is <laughs> Ramona comes into his, you know, headspace and it cuts back to him and he's like smiling wistfully out like, yeah, it's been a good day. <laughs> like on to the next. <laughs> yeah. And it also helps because Edgar Wright puts, uh, I think, both of them at one point in, like, stark background, mm -hmm. like, black yeah. background. Kind of how you were set up, sort of the Skype call. Like, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to invoke the, the feeling of this film. It's great, and he kind of plays with uh, shape and size there. Like, the smaller the characters get, the blacker the background and the bigger it gets i i do i do like what he's going for and it's um it, it is heartbreaking for knives i think and you kind of feel it how do you think that uh, um compares with when ramona breaks up with him uh, and this is i think after the twins uh the twins um a battle sequence a base battle sequence whatever they do i'm not really if I have one big flaw with film, I actually really don't like the handling of the Ramona character. And I don't know as much as I like Edgar Wright as far as what he brings visually. I think he gets Scott really well, but I don't mm -hmm. think he gets Ramona. And I, you know, there's a lot of like, even when the, your favorite, uh, Matthew Patel shows up, Matthew Patel, like there's a big exposition dump as far as like, uh, you know, we went out together and this was this point in life. And he does that a few times with her. And like the way she like, you know, ultimately like leaves him and becomes like the princess in the castle to be one at the end, like where, uh, Jason, uh, 
Schwartzman just has like an actual like Stepford wife like access point into her like brain this <laughs> yes. mind control thing. I think that's messy. Um, I mean, I like what you said where it's like all the the fantasy is like an aspect of kids like playing at adult relationships. So mm-hmm. I guess like for her, like that guy that she knows is somewhat abusive, like having that that ability. They even use the Rolling Stones song, the Under My Thumb, like you know when mm-hmm. he like takes her back. But I, I don't, I don't feel like Ramona is ever fully formed, right? It, like decisions don't no. seem to be made by her, whether it's for like a plot device or it's just, you know, the way that Edgar Wright really wants to keep you in the, from the viewpoint of Scott Pilgrim, where it's like, well, it's not really her choice to like break up with me. Right. Like if I just do better, if I, if I do the video game thing and I replay the level, I'll, <laughs> I'll be able to win her back. That's the stuff that ages a little awkwardly for me as, as an yeah. older man. There's a little bit of dialogue that she, you know, has that, that kind of, again, it may, goes back to the Scott line. Like, she's fickle. You know, the the stuff where she's like, oh, I've dabbled in being a bitch. It's like, oh, okay, is that the character development that we get from her? Yeah, we don't know that much about her. And that's one of the reasons I think this film, I mean, the film is a film. And it doesn't have any choice but to kind of keep things moving. Um, otherwise, you're going to you know, sit there with like a three-hour flick that kind of reflects too often. And that's not good for, uh, I think, the viewers. And that's why I still feel like the books are still <laughs> not worth burning. <laughs> I, did, I did get rid of the black and white one there and upgraded to the color versions. <laughs> See? Upgraded the color versions. And so I do like that. And I like the fact that the film, that each book kind of allows uh, a lot of breathing time mm-hmm. uh, between each uh, evil ex. Uh, but yeah, no, she, she does not have quite the, uh, um, uh, uh, the groundwork that the other characters do. And considering that she is, I, I guess, I hate to say the prize, but at least the thing that's coveted quite heavily. Um, I mean, uh, I don't think Scott. she's even as fully formed as Wallace played by Kieran Culkin. I feel like <laughs> yeah. that's a like three dimensional character that I really dig. Like I love yeah. his viewpoint. I even like uh, Anna Kendrick, uh, which kind of has like a thankless part as Scott's sister who just you know, mm-hmm. gives a, basically a, a tongue lashing, just like a phone call, like yeah. a nicer version of what Aubrey Plaza is doing. Uh, Allison Pill is Kim, like pretty much all of the characters. I feel like I get a good sense of them very quickly. Which so it's weird to me that we spend so much time and infatuation on Ramona and she remains elusive in that way, which may be the point. But yeah, I- exactly. Like she is mysterious, and she is this thing that he the the, the Rubik's cube that he can't quite mm-hmm. solve, and so that that that's again that that's uh, I, I hate to get so philosophical here, but that's kind of what love is. It's like you you're infatuated with this individual that you can't quite put your finger on, and and well, metaphorically, and you are you want to spend the rest of your life trying to learning more and more about this individual. So I, I, I understand why it's done. And, and for the most part, like I forgive it. When does that end for you in your personal life web? <laughs> well, like I'm done solving this person. Yeah. On to the <laughs> <Yeah>. next. <laughs> no, no, not on to the next, but uh, do you think there would be an element of fr- frustration to have that much, sort of inquisitiveness about your partner. Like, you know, if you've been married over 10 years and you're still like, I can't figure out this person. Like, you know, like that's probably a bit unhealthy. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Um, I think that's kind of the, the fun aspect of being with somebody. It's like, it's like when, 
when you've just like you realize, oh, okay, now I figured this person out, and then they do something that's unexpected and still quirky and still has the ability to surprise you. I think that's where, uh, uh, not that you found the right person, but it's like that. That's part of the uh, the fun and, and part of the uh, human condition and experience. So, no, no, yeah, like as soon as I hit that wall, and I'm like, all right, I, I figured this person out. I'll let you know. <laughs> Here's another personal question. If you were in in your life experience represented mm-hmm. as one of the X's here, which, yeah. which X do you think you would come across as? Ooh. I don't want to say Matthew Patel, but <laughs> you he's love this guy. Mr. Pilgrim! It is I, Matthew Patel. <laughs> because, well, here's here's why, and I hate to say it, but I think it's the brown thing. Uh, part of the backstory, she talks about how he would, you know, this this. Uh, she was this coveted person for all the jocks like all the jocks wanted to be with her and then matthew patel was the only non-white non-jock person there and that's kind of me i'm not white <laughs> i'm not jock you know she only kissed him once and i feel like i've been there where it's like oh he's this other flavor and i'll enjoy it for you know a week and a half or you know whatever time length and and then it's on to the next it's like I, I feel like um, – <laughs> and then also I hate to say it, but I am part of that person. I, I'm, I'm that guy who sometimes does follow the fad. So the parts are in this year. Like I, I related quite a bit to that line. <laughs> it's like I've been there, man. I, I get it. I can't say that I'm probably like represented on screen, but I definitely would want to be the Chris Evans asshole. Like if oh, I have to be an uh, asshole, he is – man, he relishes playing that part so much where he – Yeah. <laughs> you know, like where uh, – is it Scott or is it Wallace that says like, you know, I'm a big fan. And he's like, why wouldn't you be? Like, Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Even him like while he's on his phone, while he has his stuntmen fight Scott in his stead – <laughs> looks at his screen, gets a message, and does this like the most like vapid chuckle. Like there's, <laughs> and then it's like that's actually <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> like <laughs> I I love that character. Like I Me if too. I had to watch any snippet of this film, it would probably be that that one fight sequence, just because I love seeing Captain America as just such a douchebag, <laughs> such a scumbag guy. Yeah, no. In my most recent viewing, when I was watching it, my wife was like, "Hey, skip to the part with Captain America." And yeah. I'm like, "All right." <laughs> and she, you know, she was like, "Oh my, he looks even he, you know, he looks perfect even in that role." Mm-hmm. And so it's like he's a. It's amazing to think that you know he was going to be the Human Torch and then forgotten, forgotten to history. Thank, thank goodness. Yeah, for, it wasn't. Uh, uh, I don't remember him being bad, but I remember those movies being bad, uh, and I remember. When he was announced to Captain America, I'm like, oh, fucking Human Torch. I was like, couldn't they get somebody <laughs> else? Like, it's like, yeah, right. he kind of looks like him. Like, I could see it, but I'm like, God, I, you know, just, but man, he has been, he's been like my favorite representation of like, as far as the cinematic ones, I've like, because Captain America could be a really boring character. You know, it could be like oh, Superman. Absolutely. And I just, yeah, he's great. I mean, in all honesty, that, 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 my love, my infatuation with him didn't even happen with the first Avenger. It's the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. As soon as that, you know, as soon as you take Captain America out of that, uh, uh, his comfort zone and put him into this, like, sense of delusionment with, with, you know, the, the establishment, like, ah, that's it. That, that's where, Did uh, you, I asked this to my, uh, wife recently, cause I'm, like, trying to prep her for Endgame. Like, we're, 
we're obviously not doing a uh, a complete rewatch, especially now because we would have had to start oh. months ago. Um, yeah. But we've been kind of kind of like she had not seen Ant Man and Wasp. I think was the only one she hadn't seen. So actually, she hadn't seen Ant Man. She yeah. <laughs> apparently, my wife doesn't care for Paul Rudd, and this has been like no. a concern to me because I uh-huh. I like you know <laughs> if you're going to become uh, an Avenger, it's like. Physically, I, I'm closer to getting to Paul Rudd territory, even though he's <laughs> pretty fucking ripped as Ant Man for no real reason. Like, there's one he's like sequence. Fifty and he's ripped. Yeah. I was like, why is Ant Man in such good shape? Like, that has nothing to do with his like powers. You know. Um, <laughs> but I love Paul Rudd, and I actually told yeah. a woman at work. Um, I guess I'm just projecting because she was like, <laughs> she was like, no wait, who's Paul Rudd? Is it this guy or that guy? And I actually work. Uh, where I work, I'm the minority here in the state of Kentucky. Probably also very strange, but I, uh-huh. I just work with a lot of you know people of diverse backgrounds and ethnicities. And she could not place Paul Rudd, and I finally had to play that card. I finally got to where I'm like, you know, we don't all look alike. <laughs> um, but I was projecting to her. I'm like, my wife loves Paul Rudd. You don't know Paul Rudd, and I come home. And I'm telling her this story because I just want to relay that line. And she's like, yeah. I don't like Paul Rudd. And I'm like, you. That was my Scott Pilgrim moment. Like, what? <laughs> How could <laughs> Bread you? Makes you fat. <laughs> but yeah. I asked her, like, as we're rewatching some of them, and we're uh, we're in the middle. Uh, we're treating uh, Infinity War like a TV series. I think we've done two parts of it. <laughs> um, I'm like, you know, they may kill off some of these characters, you know, yeah. and also the practical nature of the contracts running out. Um, I'm like, you know, which one? Which one would pain you the most? Like, which which one is gonna like make it harder for me to get you to go see a Marvel movie if they kill off yeah. this guy? And I kind of wish she had said Captain America, but she went with Thor. <laughs> um, you know, I do like Thor, but I, I I get it. Like, I don't think he's. I don't know. I think there's still uh, because. He doesn't have the same, uh, I think, impact as some of the others, and because he got kind of shortchanged, I think, on one and two, and because three, he kind of finally went into his own. You know, be, be, three is the one that people like. I, I think, think he might get another film. Ragnarok has retroactively like wiped away the other two, where now people think of Thor as like that movie, that's awesome, and they forget the dark yeah. world even exists. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I have a soft spot in my heart for for Dark World because I like Alan Taylor because he came from like Game of Thrones and he directed Baylor the. You know the Ned Stark's uh, um, uh, a specific episode. I don't know who hasn't seen Game of Thrones. Who's like I've seen the first two I, I don't seasons. Want That's it. Okay. Yeah. So he he his, he was a Game of Thrones regular. So I was excited to see. I even he actually directed Terminator Genesis, which oh, God. I don't. <laughs> Web. I don't. It's confusing, <laughs> but I don't hate it. And I kind of want again Amelia Clark. It's like I'm, I'm I'm down with these Game of Thrones people. So, but yeah. So I have a soft spot for my. For the dark world, but I do admit that it's not great. And actually, one of the best scenes in it is when Captain America shows up because Loki turns into him, and I'm like, Captain America! Like that shouldn't be the most exciting part of a Thor movie, Captain yeah, America. But it is, rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> right, on. and then you know, of course, uh, uh, Jane Foster disappears from the face of the earth after that film. Um, I would like to see them follow the comics in that regard. I'd like to see her come back as yeah. Thor. That'd be really cool. That'd be neat. That'd be very cool. <clears throat> Let's talk about the um, uh, uh, the, the grand gesture. What are you, the host of the show now? You're trying to keep me on track? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I remember when you first came on, you'd probably, I think you'd been on a couple of times. You're like, what is the premise of the show again? Now look at you. You're railroading me back on point. Okay, fine. The grand gesture. Well, because I, I, I think that I'm, I'm going to go with something that's probably different than what you're going to go with. Okay. And, and uh, I want to, I want to hear yours first. Like, what do you think is the grand gesture? Hmm. I mean, the the obvious one is uh, like you know the princess in the castle thing, right? Where he he comes yeah. back a couple of times, uh, to 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 fight, and you know, not not in the most subtle fashion that you know he really has to like be fighting for himself, not <laughs> fighting for the, the girl. Uh, various right. uh, level ups. Um, to me, the uh, the the grand gesture is. <laughs> actually Scott being shitty to her <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, <clears throat> I which think, instance are shitty or just generally shitty. I, I think, you know, you get to, um, I mean, is it after the, uh, vegan fight with the uh, Superman with Brandon Routh? Mm-hmm. I, I think they're after they're walking away from that, that he's, for the first time kind of like you know verbalizing like basically like a slut shaming thing like jesus christ like <laughs> how many of these <laughs> fucking exes am i gonna have to go through like you can get a number right. of like the amount of people <laughs> are trying to kill me and because what's important to me is that you know often especially in pop culture we see a lot of versions of like the nice guy mm-hmm. and i think it's important for the nice guy to have that self-realization that you're not you're not inherently better than other people that you know your love interest has like been with like you're different that that's the thing not not that like <laughs> that they were incredibly flawed horrible assholes because chris evans is not flawed even if he is very confident <laughs> to himself <laughs> but you know it seems like other people have like his roommate for instance kind of realizes that he's a bit of a dick, but he sort of owns that. And he, he yeah. understands that's a facet of his personality, but he can also be a good friend as well. But he's going to have to play that dickish card if for no other reason than to get fucking laid. Cause him and Scott share a bed together. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I think, I think that like, you know, he, you know, what he says to knives is probably like, yeah, towards the end, more of like the grand gesture. For me. It's not anything to do with Ramona. It's the fact that he owns the fact that he could be that guy to one person, but it doesn't define him as being, he's going to be an evil ex the entire time. You know, he mm-hmm. can also be a, a good person to Ramona if he acknowledges that he's been shitty to other people for and shitty to her. That's about yeah. as, that is about as grand as I can go with this one while avoiding the obvious fight sequence to win the curl. You know, and I was moves. hoping that you, yeah, I was hoping you would avoid the grand gesture. And I don't think that that specific grand gesture, and I don't think that really works as a grand gesture anyways, because it's more about himself. Mm-hmm. It's about him coming to terms with who he is and then fixing the, the mistakes that he's made. For me, the grand gesture, at least for him in terms of Ramona, is that, that after the Nega Scott thing, um, where he's talking to Knives, and she's like, go after her. Like, you've been fighting for her this whole time. So his decision to go with Ramona at the tail mm. end, even though he's unsure of what it'll bring, but he's just kind of along with it for the journey, and he doesn't have the expectations of a completely new and and pure relationship. I like that. I think he's 
So you're going willing like, to go with her. You're going like the kind of the eternal sunshine route where it's like, yeah, we've already had problems. Like I'm not looking for a, this has been a learning experience. Now I need like a virginal clean slate relationship yeah. with someone else. Um, which I'd read like, let's try again. You know, I think that's the line it was originally were the ending. Was it going to be knives? I felt like I read that somewhere that there was a possibility that they were maybe not like they were going to start like making out right there, but that when she left yeah. that he actually allowed her to leave and you got the impression that he was him and knives like that. That was actually going to be like, you know, where he went next as far as like a first like love relationship. I'm not probably a big more fan realistic. of that. I've, yeah. <laughs> probably more well, realistic. Well, <laughs> Well, I could see that, and I could definitely see that in the writing room. Like, hey, let's do something a little different, mm -hmm. and let's do that. But I don't like that because then I think Ramona ultimately becomes like a plot device at that point, where she's just there to help Scott realize that you know who he is or better himself. I by him choosing her, I think she doesn't become a fully formed character, but she becomes more of a character in that moment. Where like, no, she is this other person who has this terrible past and she's still able to find love because Scott learned, you know, about, about himself and, and, and he's willing to go with her. I, I like that ending better, even though, and also knives has that moment where she's like, I'm too cool for you. Like she also, there is a ticking clock there where she becomes, she becomes Ramona. She becomes the cool, like oh. you know, serious girl. And yeah, it's like, you know, it only that relationship only works because even you know four or five years out of high school, he his maturity level is still right there with her, or probably even underneath <laughs> this you know <laughs> high school you know junior or senior whatever she was. I mean, I thought for sure you were going to throw a massive curveball to me and uh, nope. say that when he deems uh, young Neil will just now be Neil, but that was the grand gesture. <laughs> that was a nice gesture. <laughs> I did appreciate that. I think he gets his own little arc. I mean, I've uh, I've you know, I somewhat lied to you uh, when I was like, you know, which evil X? Obviously, like, oh, I would be Chris Evans. I'd honestly, if I'm re reflected on screen with my <laughs> failures in like podcasting, I'm Stephen Steele's. <laughs> I'm the one who is like like a young David Letterman who is full of self loathing, <laughs> like wants to do something, but then after he makes it, he's like, we're terrible, we suck. <laughs> Why did we do this? <laughs> So I really, really, really like that uh, that character. Mark Webber, I think, did a good job of like a sort of grounded artist. Yeah, <laughs> it's not One mysterious or sexy. No, <laughs> no. And I think when I fell in love with that character was the moment where uh, it may have been the Battle of the Band sequence where he's like, "Ramona's got to go. She knows that we suck." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like perfect, perfect. He was like totally down with knives, cow. He's like, "Oh no." Um, no, but wonderful supporting cast. And actually, one last thing I think about the supporting cast: how cool is it that this movie has Captain America and Captain Marvel? Do you think? Do you think Brie Larson gets her uh, um, like a proper you know, um, story? Or not? I guess not everyone needs an arc, but does she get her time to shine in this film? Oh, she's so fucking cool in this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I wanted to do this when the week Captain Marvel came out, and I'm glad I didn't because you know there's been a lot of online i mean the movie has done you know very well obviously captain marvel but uh mm -hmm. i know in the lead up to it and some of the negativity like afterwards were about her lead performance like not being yeah. charming enough and i 
I didn't actually didn't have a problem with her. I had a problem with Sam Jackson, like the uh, sort mm. of buddy cop aspect, where I felt like they told him to crank it way up. It, to me, it read <laughs> like it read like uh, you know the uh, Marvel producing team was like, oh, she's giving us she's not giving us Tony Stark. She's you know she's giving us something else. Uh, we need to add some comedy here. Uh, Sam, can you uh, crank that up to like Anne Hathaway levels of like manic charm? <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't like that combo in particular, but you know, she obviously can go there like in this, she she is like an over the top, like personified version of like the ex that was always better than you that got away and like knows Mm -hmm. it and lords it over you. Uh, yeah, I, I am actually like, you know, it has me excited for in game more to see how like the, I guess, fully developed Captain Marvel character will be like just in a normal adventure movie, not an origin yeah. story. But unfortunately, like I read that she actually filmed in game before she filmed before. Captain Marvel. So that's like, well, <laughs> yeah. that probably wasn't a big help. <laughs> but no, we'll see. no, I agree. And, and and some of the most ridiculous like criticisms I heard, like, oh, somebody online was like, why is she wearing so much makeup in Endgame? And I'm like, is it really? Is, is this what we're? Is this know, the thing gonna... people notice? Like I, I, like I know, uh, you yeah. know. Black Widow has changed her hair, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, she did in the comics too. She's like a spy. You know, she's always like changing her appearance, whatever. Like, that's all yeah. I think about. It's like, oh, you know, it's shorter. It's blonde. It's red. That's, <laughs> and then I get to the giant purple alien, like, you know, <laughs> bringing about like the apocalypse. That's kind of where my headspace is. Wearing too much makeup. Well, thank you for that, Webb. Now I'll, I'll have five <laughs> seconds of thought about that when I watch Endgame. <laughs> well, that is one of the things that like Brie Larson like actually commented back on. She's like, well, you know, and also the Russo brothers, like we let the actors kind of decide how they're going to approach their characters and what they're going to do. And so she, because she wears less makeup later on, she's like, that's just the character I evolved into. And it was just funny because we filmed the things in, in reverse. So. It's like I, I just wish that these non-issues were not so uh, uh, um, clickbaity. And you're like, you know, like how I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the AV Club and the entire article is like Stephen Colbert made a video, and like that's the article. <laughs> you know, it's like here's a YouTube video, and here's you know five paragraphs explaining what he said. It's like I can just watch the video. There's just a lot of uh, uh, non-news, not even fake news, just non-news out there. I mean, obviously, you and I are opposed to that because we prefer <laughs> long-form, unwieldy discussion <laughs> that goes yes. many different places. I don't know how you would clickbait this like hour-long discussion on Scott Pilgrim. Uh, they talk about streaming services at some point. <laughs> there was a talk about <laughs> iTunes <Yeah>. support chat. <laughs> <laughs> not very clickbaity. No, not at all. We did fun. How about though. this? <laughs> X podcaster has fight with Apple engineers. <laughs> like that's that's the clip. I'm actually going to subtitle the episode that. <laughs> uh, all right, Webb. Thank you for coming back after your Hellboy yeah. appearance. You seem to be far more positive and approachable in this. You know, you were not pulling the Brie Larson card on us. I apologize. Yeah, no, it's just well. I also felt like I was not blindsided, but you know, it's like somebody gave me like, here's garbage. Now, not, oh, wait, 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 I don't want to go there. Hold on. Hold on. It's like, here's some dough. Here's some, you know, flour. Can you please make a steak out of it? And so that's kind of how I felt with trying to fit the grand gesture um, structure with Hellboy. And I was like, I don't know about this. I feel like the film has other things on its mind. 
But that's all right. That's all right. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still a fan of, of Scott Pilgrim all these years later. Books and and um, film. I think the two can ab- absolutely coexist, and neither needs to be uh, attacked. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the man to break to you. I know if Dave was here, mm-hmm. he, his immediate, he wouldn't even allow you to finish your thought. But when you said that you were handed garbage for help, boy, <laughs> well, I stopped myself. Stop myself. <laughs> It would be like, and you didn't do anything with it. It was still garbage. <laughs> what you gave us was garbage. But... <laughs> I'm aware. I really thought that was never going to see the light of day, and then there you go. You know, a new like Hellboy that? movie. I didn't back. even give you a heads up. I just I actually like in the same week I dropped our I feel pretty discussion and Hellboy, and uh, I was just like, I'm not even going to tell Webb. I'm just going to let this put it out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And because of my lack of activity on Twitter, I rarely know these things. So I, I, I jump on every now and then and, and see, like, oh, that, that's been up, and I want to promote it to my like, you know, twenty-seven followers. Most of them just overlap with you. Whatever hardcore fans you gain on these uh, Apple engineering forums, I want you to bring them in. <laughs> Will do. I'll keep you posted. The next time we record, I'll tell you how all this went down. There's, so, there's the cliffhanger, folks. If you want to gain, you know three more followers where can people yeah. find you online um i i'm i am on twitter and i'm on instagram as well uh at i'm at web is trying uh that's my twitter and my instagram on my instagram they're all just like photos of my kid like i'm trying to create this little uh, uh I, have a, I have a physical scrapbook and then instagram i feel like is this a digital scrapbook just trying to uh, uh, uh trying to be one of those dads i guess um Oh yeah, you but are on one there. of those dads. I assure you, because I <laughs> follow your Instagram Instagram account with like all seventeen of my podcast accounts. And it's like no matter which one I open, there's a web and baby <laughs> top of my feed. Yeah, just just wait until the kid gets older. She's like, ew, delete them all. Like, I'm sure it's gonna happen. Um, I'm sure there's gonna be a clickbaity article calling you a horrible parent for violating her like, <laughs> you know, her social media presence rights or whatever, like without her consent. That's yeah. That, that's probably already happened, actually. So, ex podcaster abuses Apple engineers and daughter. <laughs> I'm not putting that in the subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> to bring right, that one uh, home. Yeah, Web. I'm 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 uh, uh, I'm online if you wish to uh, uh, interact with me for whatever reason. <laughs> we'll just leave out the daughter abuse part. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, I mean, you know, leaving the line, but not you promoting it. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yes. Because no. <laughs> what would be more troubling is if your followers, like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's not, that's not the publicity or, or, or <laughs> cult following that I want. <laughs>